ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Shrimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 30, Text 14, Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace, Srila E.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Tatrapya Jata Nirvedo Bhriyamana Swayam Bhritai Charayo Patavai Rupyo Maranabhimukho grihe The foolish family man does not become averse to family life, although he is maintained by those whom he once maintained. Deformed by the influence of old age, he prepares himself to meet ultimate death. Purport, family attraction is so strong that even if one is neglected by family members in his old age, he cannot give up family affection and he remains at home just like a dog. In the Vedic way of life, one has to give up family life when he is strong enough. It is advised that before getting too weak and being baffled in material activities and before becoming diseased, one should give up family life and engage oneself completely in the service of the Lord for the remaining days of his life. It is enjoined, therefore, in the Vedic scriptures that as soon as one passes 50 years of age, he must give up family life and live alone in the forest. After preparing himself fully, he should become a sannyasi to distribute the knowledge of spiritual life to each and every home. This is a very intense section of the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is all, from beginning to end, it's all intense. Because teaching us to come out of material life. Tamasima Jyotirgamaya come out come to spiritual life, come to the light of spiritual life. But especially this section we can feel is particularly intense because we're coming from this situation of being within the cycle of repeated birth and death. And spiritual life is like a razor's edge, so this reminds us of what we can fall into if we're not tivra bhakti, not practicing devotional service very strongly. And Prabhupada would often say that Krishna consciousness is not optional. So you may think, well, it's optional. We can do or not do. But we can do or not do, but the option is so bad of not doing it that it's, it's really not optional for anyone who has any understanding of what Krishna consciousness is. Just like if, if you say, uh, you know, do this or I'll shoot you. So it's not really optional. You, you, know, you, can, you can choose what... You, you can choose to get shot, but it's, it, it really means it's not optional. Of course, Krishna consciousness... It's not by force, but it just means if anyone has got this, any intelligence, then they must take to Krishna consciousness because the option is so bad 
I was just uh, looking through an unfortunate book that was recently published called The Hare Krishna Movement. You saw that? It's uh, no, no. It's uh, it's a book by Edwin Bryant and Maria Aikstrand. Anyway, I don't recommend anyone to read it because it's uh, it's a scholarly look at the Hare Krishna movement. So we're not against scholarship, but that kind of scholarship. Anyway, um, one ex devotee was writing about how he came out from Krishna consciousness. He said, "Well, actually, material life." It's not so bad. It's, it, it's, you know, it has its ups and downs, but it's not so bad. And there are many wonderful things you can enjoy, just like uh, going to a symphony or looking at some fine art or something like this. Well, it's not so bad. There's just one little problem is that, not very little problem, but it's a very major problem is that one is forced to suffer repeated birth and death. And you can say, well, I, I don't believe it. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it. Whether you believe it or not, what will happen will happen. We are not the control. We may desire that everything will be just as I like in future, but that is our that is a whole fallacy of material existence. Just that people, just like um, I don't know here in India, you see in the newspaper someone dies and their photos put in the newspaper, and it's written Swaga Prapta, they attain to heaven. But you know, it's, it's, it's mostly just wishful thinking. You don't just go to heaven just because you. You feel like, I'd like to go there. Or just like uh, they put on the tombstones in the Western countries, R.I.P., rest in peace. I think it's derived from Latin or something. But, but uh, well, I guess the body's resting in peace and they think that they're the body, but actually they're, they're not they're the soul. So uh, there's, there's no way you can rest in peace if we haven't accepted Krishna. Bhuktaram yagya tapasam sarva loka mahishram suhridam sarva bhutanam gyatva mang shantim ritchati. Unless we recognize Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, the supreme proprietor, and the supreme friend, there's no question of attaining peace. Uh, rather, if we uh, perform activities which are envious of Krishna, then intrinsically we can never get peace. And what's more, we'll, uh, just to remind us that uh, we're not in our proper position, then we have to suffer repeated birth and death with struggle in between birth and death and then uh, suffering at all stages. And then again, uh, go to see Yamaraj for those who are very sinful. So generally we... we uh, people like to say, yes, I'm good, I'll go to heaven, I'm very good, I, I, I give money for you know, saving the, protecting the street dogs or saving the whale, or, you know, I'm, I'm very good, I send money to help the troops in Iraq, and I do good things. But they don't know what is good and what is not good, and that good means to satisfy Krishna, and everything else is... Uh, Sinful. Hitler was nice, so we're told. He was a, he was a, in his ordinary dealings, he was like a gentleman. He was a vegetarian. So, but he had some other habits which weren't so nice, of course, which are better known. But uh, it's like that. We think, yeah, yeah, I'm very nice, and uh, I'm very nicely 
working hard so that my family can be healthy and feeding them meat or even vegetarian foods. That's also, if it's, if it's not Krishna conscious, then it's all sinful. So uh, people don't know this, especially in this uh, Southern California. It's a real dream world. People dreaming that we're, in, we're enjoying material happiness and there's sun, not today, but so much sunshine and the beach and we've got lots of money and of course no one thinks they've got lots of money everyone thinks I need more but compared to other parts of the world or even other parts of America I think isn't it this is an opulent area so they're in a big uh, a dream world of course the whole material world is just a dreamlike existence of being happy but uh, they don't see they don't see they don't see, even though they see uh, that everyone is suffering, everyone is dying, but they don't see because they don't see through the eye of Scripture. Therefore, everyone is blind and blindly marching toward death and thinking themselves very happy. So Prabhupada is uh, matching the text with a purport of equal uh, intensity. He doesn't say, well, you know, never mind, don't worry, it'll all be all right, or some kind of platitudes that, you know, hey, don't worry, everything's nice, it's okay, and it's not so bad. But Prabhupada is rather emphasizing the theme that, yeah, material life is bad. It's not at all conducive for our happy existence. It is a very bad situation. To think otherwise is disastrous. To have any uh, notion that material life has, can, has anything whatsoever to offer us that is at all for our benefit in any way whatsoever is a, is a tremendous mistake. This uh, Prabhupada writes in, in one purport that the beginning of spiritual life is disgust with material life. That's not actual spiritual. Actual spiritual life means to love Krishna. But we can't love Krishna if we're still attracted to enjoying our senses, if we're still attracted to enjoying this material world. If we think that there's anything whatsoever of any benefit in this material world, if there's any benefit in any activity, thought, word, anything separate from giving ourselves wholly to Krishna, and that is Maya, and that is the because of that, then we won't be able to, because of the attraction to enjoy this material world, what, however much it is, then we can't give ourselves to Krishna. We can't be pure devotees of Krishna. So actually, spiritual, real spiritual life begins when we, 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 we're just, we can understand that this, this is material world. There's, there's nothing here for me. It's, it's a world of great suffering. Here, the, the, the description of adverse fruitive activities is being given, um, how the person who is not Krishna conscious is, that will be described later in the chapter, how he's dragged off to hell, how he suffers during life and is dragged off to hell. But actually all fruitive activities are adverse. And adverse means it's, it's not for our benefit. So this, this may be called Papa karma, and another term is punya karma, which means pious activities, but whatever it is, if it's not 
in relation to Krishna, if it's not meant for serving Krishna, then it's all adverse. It's, it's whether you go to heaven or whether you, whether you go to hell, if it's not going to Krishna, then it's all an adverse situation. Of course, going to heaven, there might be more opportunity or, or some opportunity to be Krishna conscious rather than being in hell, at least somewhat, slightly, because Vishnu Bhakta Smrita Daiva Asuras Tad Viparyaha the demigods are considered devotees and the or rather a devotee is considered a demigod. Anyway, A equals B, B equals A. So uh, but those who are averse to a sense of Krishna consciousness, they are called demons. So in the heavenly planets there is some sense of Krishna consciousness. But it's not Tivra Bhakti. It's, it's more like uh, Vishnu is there, he's a brother. He's the Upendra, younger brother of Indra. And he's nice. He looks after us when we get in too much difficulty and are enjoying our material life. So it's, it's a long way from pure Krishna consciousness, the, the, the standard Krishna consciousness of the demigods. And because because it's not really Krishna consciousness, it's self-consciousness with uh, a slight admixture of Krishna consciousness, then uh, one can fall from the heavenly planets into a hellish situation. One can be a demigod and then become, become a demon. And it happens all the time. So uh, they're not disgusted with material life. That, that means that their Krishna consciousness, whatever it is, it's, uh, it's materialistic religion. So these descriptions are given here in the Bhagavatam of the very uh, suffering condition because actually all material life is a suffering condition. All, all of it is uh, away from Krishna. That is the real suffering of material existence is that we're not, whatever it is, whether, whether we're enjoying in the heavenly planet so-called or, or suffering the tortures of hell. Um, it's all torture for the soul. Because we're not with Krishna. We're not serving Krishna. So it's, it's uh, heavenly planets that's also miserable and suffering. But we think it's happiness because there's some sense enjoyment. But without Krishna consciousness, there, there cannot be any happiness. Any actual happiness. So the, this description is given here one reason we can understand is that because we are attracted to the material sense enjoyment of the heavenly planets, so it's just reminding us that, well, this is what you get in material life. You get this intense suffering. If it's, if it's told that, uh, well, material life means, there is a description of the heavenly planets also. But if, it, if, if there's no description of, of the hellish planets or, or the hellish situation, actually, there's not the hellish, but we didn't get... The, descript the description of the adversely behaving man hasn't reached the hellish planets yet, but even on the earth, it's, it's, it's pretty hellish, the situation he's living in. So, uh, because we're attracted, we're thinking, well, yeah, I can enjoy sense enjoyment. So, this, this, this graphic description is given just to convince us that we can't enjoy here. Otherwise, it should be enough just philosophically to understand, oh, material life is miserable, we're not in Krishna consciousness. There's repeated birth, death, old age, and disease. All right. Let me be Krishna conscious. But because we need more convincing, 
Therefore, this uh, description is given. Because their tendency may be there. In practicing Krishna consciousness, they may think, well, mature life isn't so bad. And Krishna consciousness, Krishna consciousness is, uh, you know, it's also, it has its ups and downs, and material life has its ups and downs, you know, and whatever, in the Brahmachari ashram, you, you know, maybe, you know, whatever it may be, it's it maybe too crowded, or you don't like someone there, or something, or, of course, we shouldn't think like that about devotees, but if we're in, if we're in the kind of consciousness that could make us attracted to material life, then we may be thinking like that, well, I don't like this one, or, you know, this one's too much, or this getting up in the early in the morning, it's too fanatical, or something like that. Or, What's the difference whether you sleep later, or, we may, that, that's a materialistic way of thinking. And then we may think, well, Krishna consciousness has its plus points and minus points, and so material life has also. But actually, no. Krishna consciousness is only plus, and material life is only minus. It's black and white. No gray areas in this. We may think, well, everything, everything has some kind of gray area. Well, we can say in Krishna consciousness, yes, there are difficulties, but actual Krishna consciousness means there's no... Problem. Actual Krishna consciousness means Yasmin Stito Nadukena Gurunapi Vichalyate. We're not disturbed in any condition because overwhelmed with love of Krishna. Whereas material life there's no plus point. We may say, well, you know, you can you can have a nice car and a nice house. Well what what is the value in that? If you have to it, it's like, that that example it's it's like uh, you know, spraying eau de cologne on a man who's a, about to be whipped to death or something. Oh, well, that smells nice. <laughs> what is the value? It's, it's, it's like, you can say there's something good, but it, whatever it might be, it's uh, so inconsequential. The, the, the sukham hitucham, this, the happiness of material life, it's so inconsequential compared to the intense suffering that it, it can't be considered in any way uh, beneficial for the soul. So these descriptions are, are given just to convince us that I can't be happy in Krishna consciousness, without Krishna consciousness, I can't be happy in material life. So let me take to that uh, very seriously. It's, it's, it's very strong words, very strong description, but that should wake us up. And, because that tendency is... The, is there. The tendency is there in the, in the neophyte stage of Krishna consciousness to, when, when uh, yeah, the word ajata is given, so that's often used, ajata ruchi. As long as our taste for Krishna consciousness is not developed, then there may be the tendency to have a taste for material life or, or, or have some attraction to material life. So, uh, anyone who's contemplating the who's taken to Krishna consciousness, but who's contemplating how material life may not be so bad after all. It's good. You can read this chapter and just consider what is the actual situation. Is this true or not true? What is the actual situation? Let us be philosophical. Let us try to understand. This is reality. It's a uh, reality stripped of, its, of, of the uh, of the dramatic props which make it look good. It's miserable. It's horrible. This, uh, these descriptions are also a, an incentive 
to those who have come out of material life and are, and are fixed in Krishna consciousness that, that people are suffering. We have to wake them up. We have to preach to them. Krishna conscious people are suffering in material life. They're suffering like this again and again, spoiling their human life. Rarely obtained and just absorbed in so-called material enjoyment and then have to suffer so much. So it's a great uh, incentive for preachers that how, pe how much people are suffering. How much we, we have to take all difficulties, take the trouble to do what is necessary to help people to come to Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> this Bhaktisiddhan uh, Sarsartako, he condemned those who simply want to enjoy Krishna consciousness. That, uh, that this nirjan bhajan, I'll just be happy and Krishna conscious by myself. He condemned this tendency. He said, no, we have a duty to preach Krishna consciousness. We have a duty to wake up others. If we think that, well, I will just be happy in Krishna consciousness, that's another kind of non-Krishna consciousness. Because Krishna consciousness means to do what Krishna wants us to do. So you may say, well, Krishna wants me to be happy. That's true. Krishna wants me to uh, think of him, remember him. That's true. But Krishna also, especially Krishna has come as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he wants us to serve his mission of delivering the conditioned souls. So if we think, well, that's too troublesome, let me just think of, cultivate remembrance of Krishna. But Bhaktisthan Sosar Thakur indicates that we won't get the mercy by which we're able to cultivate remembrance of Krishna if we don't act for the pleasure of Krishna by glorifying him to the world, by, by spreading his message to the world. And Prabhupada said that, and we, we, we've seen that. that Prabhupada said, if you, if you think you can just sit at Radha Kund and sit and chant, you'll simply think of women and money and fall down. You won't think or, or we may have some imaginary bhajan that we're imagining ourselves to be in Krishna consciousness. But rather, kirtan prabhave smarana hoibe takana nirjana shambhav. Rather, by the, by the endeavor to preach Krishna consciousness, by glorifying Krishna, kirtan prabhave smarana hoibe, then remembrance of Krishna, the result will be remembrance of Krishna. Then it is possible, when, when one is actually fixed in remembering Krishna, then it's possible to withdraw from this world for Nirjan Bhajan. Prabhupada told Bhurijan Prabhu that, that uh, you, you, you preach, you engage actively in the Krishna conscious movement until you're 50. Then you come and live in Vrindavan. So he's doing that now, but he's still, he's preaching in Vrindavan also. And he told, I think it was, uh, Jamuna Devi, that uh, when you're older you come and live in Vrindavan and you, you cultivate remembrance of Krishna. But he said, but if you don't preach prior to that, then you won't be able to. You won't be able to remember Krishna. You won't get the mercy. So these, this, this preaching Krishna consciousness or engaging in the Sankirtan movement, it is just like Krishna consciousness is not optional. It's also not optional for those who 
wish to get the mercy of, for those who want to be Krishna conscious, it's not an optional part of Krishna consciousness. It is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's desire that his followers take part in this mission. It's a very great mission and we may think, well, what can I do? I'm very small. We're all very small, but together, everyone's contribution, it all uh, has its effect. And though we may be very small, our message is not very small. Every time, for instance, uh, that we, we put a book in someone's hand and they take it away, it's not a small event. It's not, it's not a minor thing. The person who's taking it might think it's a minor thing. He may, might not even think, it may be so minor to him that he hardly even thinks about it. But it's, a very, it's the most important thing that ever happened to him since he came in this material world. He doesn't realize it. But every, every endeavor to preach Krishna consciousness, it's a, it's a major event. So, uh, with this faith and with, with this compassion and with this commitment with this understanding of, of the urgency, the necessity of Krishna consciousness, then we can and must preach Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna. Any question or comment, please? Sometimes this, this class is called a kind of, it's, it's disparagingly called a rah-rah class. That means, you know, you just try and fire everyone up. But it's not, but it's philosophical. We're talking facts here. It's not just, you know, get them out the door and we want to distribute the books and make number one. In the, it, it, but no, these, these are, everything I said was absolutely based on the philosophical understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam. So it, it's not just some artificial method to try to get everyone fired up, as they say. Not artificial, real. We should be enthusiastic to preach. And, and, and so, uh, but on what basis? It's that basis we should understand philosophically why. Anyway, I can hear you. I'll, I'll repeat it. Most people aren't aware that you go to Yamaraj. So, why would Krishna send them? Well, it's the whole, you know, then we get into the whole thing. Why are we here in the first place? Why are we here in this material world? Because Krishna Bhuli Seji Vanad or Krishna Bahimo Koya Bhogavan Chakari. Because uh, becoming inimical to Krishna, then we desire material sense enjoyment. Because we are anandamaya bhasat, we are joyful by nature. So if we don't get the enjoyment in Krishna consciousness, then we desire it in material existence. But nikatastha, Krishna by Bhagavan Chakari, nikatastha maya tare japatiya dhari. Then we become captured by maya. So we cannot be happy without Krishna. It's not possible. It is, our constitutional position is full of joy in relation to Krishna, who is the reservoir of all pleasure. So, uh, material life means suffering. Even if Krishna didn't send everyone to Yamara, just, send, uh, just everyone should go to heaven, but they wouldn't be happy there either, because there is no happiness in the material world. 
So, but because we're in the in some kind of illusion that think, we're thinking it's happiness, just like the, that example is given in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the person who's the, the, he's ducked and dunked under water, and then given a chance to come up, and it's a kind of punishment. Given a chance to come up and breathe for air, that, just while he's breathing, he's thinking, "This is wonderful," and again dunked under. So that's the happiness of material life. But because we're thinking, "Oh, this is wonderful," you know, I'm breathing, but it's not actual happiness. It's it's just uh, it's not our natural happy position. But we don't understand that because we're fools. So Krishna arranges some. Uh, some kind of situation where we can't even be in an illusion that we're in happiness. Of course, even in hellish condition, the, the jiva thinks himself happy, just like in the body of a hog. So, uh, it, it's Krishna's kindness to help us understand that, that there is no happiness in material life so that we can come to him. He may say, well, he doesn't know. Well, then he can know. He can, he go, and, go and distribute the book. Then he'll know. That's also, it's all part of Krishna's plan. Sometimes we hear that, uh, for example, in this purport that everyone must take sannyas. Um, and then other times we hear that in Kali Yuga it's not recommended and that a devotee can be pure in any situation, um, whatever ashram they're in. What is the conclusion? Please. Um, well, here... Prabhupada is talking about leaving home at the end of life. Uh, he's also given the alternative uh, for a devotee that in, well, quoting Bhaktivinoda Thakur in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prabhupada has given the alternative that one can live with his wife in old age and just execute Krishna conscious activities as a vanaprastha. So that's also acceptable. The point is that one shouldn't remain trying to grab some straws of sense gratification up to the end of his life, but should become detached and fully engage in Krishna conscious activities as soon as the children are grown up. That's the point. Sannyas, yeah, that, uh, that uh, Krishna states, what is sannyas in Bhagavad Gita? Anashita karma palang karyam karma karoti yaha sasanyasi cha yogi cha nani ragni anachakriha one who is a real sannyasi, not one who gives up all activities and who gives up fire. Because karma sannyas means to give up fire. No cooking, no yagya. It means no household life in Vedic cultures means the fire. There's always fire. You have to cook and the fire for the yagya is always kept burning. So sannyasi gives that up and he gives up all involvement in uh, social activities. But Krishna says, that he is not the real sannyasi or yogi. The real sannyasi or yogi is one who uh, works as he is obligated without any uh, attachment to the result. Here, of course, Prabhupada is talking about giving up family life and living alone in the forest that he's referring to sannyas in, as, as it's conventionally understood. But the, the the point is that one should prepare oneself for going back to Godhead, not remaining attached. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he's said in a, uh, he was uh, in householder life, had many children, he took that responsibility. 
But towards the end of his life, he gave up his family duties and he was mostly living at um, Godrum. He built another house in Navadvipdham. And sometimes he would come to Calcutta and stay in his family house, but he wouldn't be involved in the family affairs. He was withdrawn from that. And eventually, the last few years of his life, he completely left home and did bhajan. But then he would, then again he uh, just he came to Bhakti Bhavan, his house in Calcutta, and left the world from there. So the point is that one should consciously cultivate detachment. That if one has been in family life and there's some uh, there's some attachment is there, which will be there, it's always there for all householders, then should consciously withdraw from that, make a program to withdraw, so that at the end of life, ante Narayana Smriti, that one will, remain, one will remember Narayana. Because if one remembers one's family members, unless they're pure devotees, then, uh, but even then, if one remembers them in a kind of, with some kind of material attachment, that Kunti Devi was saying, Sneha Parashamimang Chindhi, Please cut my attachment even to the Vrishnis and Pandavas. So the point is that we have to become detached from family attachment and attached to Krishna. And there should be a, there should be a program for doing that. And as long as one remains involved in these activities, then there's a very good chance that at the time of death we won't remember Krishna. So, anything else? Time's up? Alright. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. 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 J